Hi, and welcome to Bad Decisions. The podcast that helps us understand why we choose what we choose. Why we think what we think. And how to exploit this stuff for fun and commercial gain. I'm Dr. Mel Weinberg. I'm a performance psychologist. And I'm Dan Monheit, co-founder of Hard Hat, a creative agency built for today. Do it. So Mel, I was thinking, right? Yeah. The, the way IKEA is set up is completely wrong. Okay. Well, they seem to be pretty successful. Yeah, I know, but it's because they're not doing what I think they should do. They should literally just take my wallet when I get there. Okay. Because I think as anybody who has been to IKEA would know that it is a foregone conclusion that once you are there, there is no way you are leaving without buying something. Oh, it's hard not to fall for that, isn't it? Yeah, because, you know, they're usually like not in the middle of the city. So there's usually some sort of a drive to get out there and then you sort of circle the parking lot for a while and you park your car. Mm. And that's really not even the start of it because then you get in and instead of just giving you like a few simple aisles to walk down, they try and take you on this magical, fantastical journey, which requires a minimum, let's be honest, minimum 45 minutes. Yeah, I mean, I've tried to do it faster and you end up just getting distracted by things you don't need yeah. and kitchen appliances. Yeah, and- so you're going to be in there 40, let's call it an hour, right? Plus the half hour to drive there, plus the half hour to park. You, you are in the hole for minimum two hours. Yeah. And there is just no way you are going to find yourself at the end of that two hours at the checkout saying, eh, no, nothing, nothing really for me this time. Uh, I'm just going to leave. So what do you do instead? So you buy something, right? Just buy anything. You just, you just like... I need some sort of a memento of my time that, you know, <laughs> that Ikea and I spent together. I'm going to go buy some more forks for the office. No office ever has enough forks. You know, or maybe I'll just buy some like cute kitchen gadgetry that is probably never going to get used, but at least I bought something, right? So it's like you made the bad decision to actually go to Ikea without, first of all, checking online if they actually had what you were after. Yeah. Right? Well, don't so rub it in. There's one bad decision. And then in order to try to mitigate that initial bad decision, you make another bad decision, which is to buy something that you don't really need. Yeah, because I wasn't going to let IKEA win. I was not going to let them <laughs> take two hours of my life and to, for me to just leave empty-handed. So I showed them. I bought something. So you won. I won. Okay. I won. And my extra forks um, and the trophy. <laughs> so what you're talking about, Dan, is another irrational decision that we make. Funny that. Yeah. What, <laughs> how, what, what, how surprising <laughs> that it would come up in in the, in this uh, while we're sitting here recording. But um, uh, we're going to talk about the sunk cost fallacy. Ooh, sunk Ooh, cost. Yeah. Sign and we, me up. And we can talk about the psychology of sunk cost, which actually happened to be the title of a research paper. A research paper. Yeah. How surprising. Um, by Arx and Bloomer back in 1985 when they were building off the work that Kahneman and Tversky did. And what they were looking at was instances where people had already made an investment of either time, effort or money, mm-hmm. maybe like you did at Ikea. And, um, and what their behaviour was like after that once you've already made the investment. So the idea is that we have this tendency to make further bad decisions once we've made an investment in something. Right, is this like what we would casually refer to as throwing quid money after bad? Yeah, exactly. So the idea, so one, they did a bunch of experiments and one of them was, and it's from the 1980s, so we're just going to excuse the um, the the numbers and the places here because this was um, a 1985 US study. So you and three friends bought a hypercolor t-shirt <laughs> and happy pants. <laughs> well, actually, in this experiment, the, the idea is, the example is, okay, 
you imagine you've just spent a hundred dollars on a ticket for a weekend ski trip. You decided to go to Michigan. Yeah, hundred bucks weekend ski trip. I'd do yeah, it. Okay. For sure. And a couple of weeks later, you're thinking about planning another ski trip and you buy a fifty dollar ticket for a weekend ski trip to Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Yeah. Okay. And you really want to go to Wisconsin. Like this fifty dollar ski trip to Wisconsin is gonna be the best ski trip you've ever had. Who doesn't love Wisconsin? Wisconsin's great, People right? People haven't been there. Anyway, um, so you then realise that you've actually double booked and so you've actually booked the two weekends away for the same date and you can't change the date. Totally something I would do. Well, so you've got a choice basically. You can't sell the tickets, okay? They're non-refundable. You yep. can't exchange. You've uh-huh. got to go on one trip or the other. Yeah, so I paid 50 bucks for Wisconsin. Yeah, which you're going to love. Yeah, and I paid 100 bucks for... Michigan. Yep. So you're faced with this decision. You've got two ski trips. Mm-hmm. One of them you really want to go on. Yep. And the other, like, well, you sort of want to go on. Yeah. It costs a bit more. But yep. anyway, the cost is spent. Yep. Right? There's nothing you can do about it. You can't reclaim those costs. Either way, you're going to miss out on something. Yep. The rational decision maker would think, well, I really want to go to Wisconsin. Yeah. So Sign me that's out. the one I'm going to enjoy more. So off we go, pack the skis, let's go. But actually what happened when the researchers asked people in this example, which ski trip will you go on, over 50% said that they would choose to go on the $100 ski trip to Michigan, right? the one that they were going to enjoy less right. or not as much, instead Why? of the $50 ski trip to Wisconsin. Why? The idea is that we've already, we feel like we've already spent the money and we've already spent $100 on going to Michigan. So even if we're not going to enjoy it as much, we should go because it would be wasteful not to. Right, just like I showed Ikea who was boss. Exactly. They're going to show Michigan who's like, you took my $100, well, I'm going to turn up and enjoy you less than if I'd just gone to Wisconsin. Sounding like a true winner there. Somebody's really happy with their victory. Yes. <laughs> so I guess we see this happen like in lots and lots of places. So that was a nice cute 80s example. Uh, but I mean, this happened to me like not even 12 months ago where wifey, bless her, went and decided it would be a great thing for us to go and learn some wine appreciation. I'm pretty much a heathen when it comes to this stuff. We should go and do a wine appreciation course, right? Now, this thing was six nights. Why did you need to do a course? Uh, I mean, I appreciate wine. Yeah, talk to her about it, okay. right? So this was a six-week course, one night a week, okay. yeah? So it was like a Wednesday night. Mm-hmm. And I really didn't want to do this, but, you know, sometimes, you know, marriage is about compromise. So I decided I would go to this thing, right? I went to the first week and... We, we have the parental advisory thing, yeah? Yeah, it, it fucking sucked. Like, this was terrible. Like, 15 minutes into this two-hour thing, I just wanted to get the hell out of there after killing everybody in the room. Okay. I was like, you know what? It was just the first week. Maybe it's going to get better. So I went back the second week, and guess what happened the second week? You already week? paid for it, so you might as well go back the second week. Well, this week. is what happened, right? So I went back the second week. I thought, maybe I'm going to get into it. It was just a bit rough. Second week, sucked worse than the first week, oh, right? So I'm like, why on earth would I sign myself up to spend four more weeknights like this? But you went, didn't you? But of course I ended up <laughs> doing it because number one, I was already invested in, I'd been to the first two weeks. And number two, like, I guess I was kind of invested in the marriage. So I needed to really <laughs> kind of. see, see, that, see that through. And uh, yeah, it's probably not the best, you know, eight hours that I've ever spent in my life. But I, for some strange reason, I felt completely obliged to do it. So we do this in other situations where we feel like, well, we've yeah, already committed time so we don't really want to be wasteful of that so an example might be if um if you're waiting public transport right so you're standing there you're waiting for the bus Mm -hmm. and the bus is supposed to come but it's public transport so it never comes when it's supposed to and so you've been standing there for a good 15 20 minutes waiting for this bus have no idea really when it's coming Mm. but you could call a cab or an uber and you could get one in three minutes yeah 
But most people will be like, oh, but I've already I've spent already 15, 15, 20 15, minutes 20. waiting for the bus, so I'm going to wait for this damn bus. Yeah. So I think what we see, the theme with all of this stuff here is there's like, there's no rewind button on life, mm. right? But we don't seem to be able to realise that when we're making decisions, so we somehow let the sunk cost, the, the bits that we've already invested, shape what we do next. And so we've talked about a few heuristics over the previous episodes that come into play with this, right? Mm. So one of them is the idea of loss aversion, yep. right, which has come up a few times because it's a big heuristic and we're so we're so against the idea of feeling like we've lost something, if it's time, if it's money, if it's effort, that we're highly motivated not to feel like we've lost something, right? So we're going we're gonna to wait for that bus because I don't want all that time to be lost for nothing. I want that time to be for something. It's interesting that we feel such a strong fear of loss for things that have happened in our past, like mm. we've already invested that money, that it overrides the idea of losing things in the future, which we could still change. Right. So we have a decision there to make. The cost is gone either way and we could choose to actually make the cost worse by investing more, like you said, sort of putting good money after bad money. Uh, we can choose, we can make that choice, which is a rational choice. We know what we should do, but so many of us um, in all sorts of different situations are just going to continue it. So we see this happening with regards to time spent and then sort of wanting to pay money or pay more or invest more time to make up for that bad time or bad money lost. But this also extends to more emotional decisions. So, for example, there are a lot of people who will stay in bad relationships or in bad jobs just because they've invested a lot of time in it. So they're like, oh, I've been, this guy's an absolute asshole, but I've been with him for five years. This is five years of my life. I'm not willing to give it up. I don't want that to be for nothing. So you continue to stay in an unhealthy relationship because, well, you've already been in it for so long, you may as well just continue. I'm, I'm feeling like we're, we're starting to move into Dr. Phil territory here. <laughs> Dr. Phil. <laughs> got to move on. <laughs> people do the same thing with jobs and even with careers. Like people might be in a career that they don't like, but they feel like, oh, my God, but I spent four years at uni getting this degree, yeah. so now I have to do this job yeah. for the rest of my life. Yeah, and so absolutely employees think about it when they're staying in a job, but I, also I think from an em employer perspective, you might have a staff member who you, it's just become really apparent to you that they're probably not right and they're probably not going to be a person for the future of the team or the organisation. But, oh, God, you know, they've been here for so long and we've spent all of this time together and they've seen things come and go and it just feels like it would be way too painful to keep to send them on their way. So we end up plowing another bad six months, year, two years, three years into this person who really we didn't need to. You know, and we've talked about this and um, in relation to time, in relation to emotions. I'm thinking as well of some examples in relation to food and sort of the retail industry. So the idea of food, first of all, is like you'll go to a restaurant um, and you'll like look at the menu and with your hungry eyes, you'll buy, you'll order a whole bunch of stuff. And so you've effectively paid for it, yep. right? And then you start eating you feel like you've eaten enough, you feel pretty sick right now, but you're like, damn it, I paid for these 15 dumplings. I'm going to eat every last yeah. one of them. And, you know, this is also, I don't know if there's a migrant parent heuristic, but, like, <laughs> you finish what's on your plate or you are not leaving the table. So probably that's got something to do with it as well. For sure. But you definitely see that come to the party, things like buffets as well, where you like mm. bad buffet behaviour, where if you're mm. at a buffet and you're trying to decide whether to go up for another round on the dessert bar, what you rationally should be thinking about is, well, am I going to feel better or worse after consuming the fourth round of dessert for this sitting? But actually what most people end up thinking about is the fact that they've already paid for the buffet. So that is a sunk cost. So they're 
only objective now is to get the absolute maximum they can out of the money that they've spent. Optimizing buffet performance. Yeah, which I guess the uh, you know the Pizza Hut works creators probably should have spoken to us because there was really no way that was ever going to work. Four ninety five, all you can eat pizza, pasta, salad, and dessert. You're just, <laughs> they were just you're just baiting people to, to put you out off. of business. Yeah. yeah. So if we know that people are vulnerable to making bad decisions like this and to wanting to continue to invest in something that they've already invested into, what do we do with it? All right, awesome. I thought you'd never ask. So as businesses, this is like a, a really interesting one for us to explore. Uh, if we know that people feel committed to things that they've already started to invest in, one of the things we can do as businesses or as brands is to try and get people to sink a little cost early on, mm-hmm. right? So this is where things like offering free trials or helping people you know, import all of their contacts from an old system into a new system to get them going can really start to pay dividends. Uh, in a retail environment, you know, a, a well-trained retail person knows that when you approach a customer, the first question you should ask them should not end with no. So, Mel, if you're in the store and I walk up to you and I'm like, hey, can I help you with something? No. Yeah, right. So that's terrible. You've just, <laughs> <Go away. laughs> you've just shut me off and now there's no investment, right? But if I can go over and start engaging you even just a, a smidgy teeny bit, right, mm-hmm. and get some yeses early. So what would you ask me? So I'd say, um, hey, Mel, are, are you finding everything that you're looking for? Yes, thanks. Did you notice we've got some of the new season stuff up the front? Ooh, new season. And there's sales stuff up the back. Sales? Yeah. So I'll, maybe I'll leave you to have a browse and I'll come back and check in in a few minutes. Sure, thanks. Great. So you've just started committing to me, right? Just a little teeny bit. Like we're not getting married anytime soon, but you have the start of a commitment. And over the course of a conversation or a sales interaction, I can start building and building and building. And before you know it, you're me and I'm Ikea and you've just spent 45 minutes with me and there's no way you were going to leave <laughs> with nothing. So in sales, I mean, this is what we call incremental buying, getting little yeses along the way and all of a sudden the person you're selling to feels like they're in too deep and they'd be betraying themselves to back out. I feel like this reminds me of those annoying guys at shopping centres who try to sort of call you over to sell you some... Ah, chuggers. Yeah, chuggers. Chuggers. They're like charity muggers. (laughs) So they basically mug mug you in plain sight, but they mug you by trying (laughs) to get you to donate to a charity for the rest of your life. Yeah, so they're just trying to like entice you in a little bit, right? Yeah, so these guys don't stop you and say like, hey, do you want to give $15 a week for the rest of your life to some charity? Because obviously you're going to say no. Mm. So what they'll do is they'll just just try and get you to just do anything. They'll just try and get you to stop. They'll ask you how your day's going. They'll do magic tricks. They'll ask you for the time. They'll do anything just to get you starting to sink a little bit of cost with them. And before you know it, you've signed yourself up to go on a Greenpeace boat and campaign against whaling in Japan or whatever it is they want Bloody you to do. Bloody chuggers. It happens. <laughs> chuggers. They ruin lives. So I think the thing to remember, have we got anything else in terms of um, in terms of what we do from sort of the, the brand perspective or from the from the seller's perspective? Well, I mean, one of the things you might have realized as a retail consumer is this concept of, you know, completing a look. Yeah, so like if I've bought something, well, I can't just have this pants without the top to go with it. Is that what you're talking about? Exactly. So once the retail person realizes they've got you to commit to the pants, yep. that's now sunk. They might as well try and leverage that into another sale with a, hey, complete the look and get the top or the whatever else right, to go with Right, because I've already it. made the commitment to the entire look and if I just buy a part of it, going to feel incomplete exactly you're going to feel like you've wasted just buying the pants you might as well buy the top as well very clever which extends us into the whole world of collectibles and sets and there's a different one available each week and people make wildly irrational decisions to complete a set just to complete to feel that sense of closure right yeah it's like oh my god if you had 
eight out of the nine possible Happy Meal toys that were available in that collection. Mm. How could you live with yourself? Yeah, you couldn't. No, you should drive across town and find the one that you don't have just so you can sleep at night. <laughs> Make sure you complete the set. Yeah. For, from the consumer side of things, I think it's important to remember that you always have a choice, right? Yeah. That you do have a choice you and your choice can either be rational or it can be emotional, yeah. right? And if you want to be a smart consumer, like we sort of always say, sort of don't, once we know that these, that we have these tendencies to make irrational decisions, we can outsmart ourselves. Yeah. So we say, what you're saying is that you've got to be able to just flush your past, just like reformat. We've got to be able to accept that whatever it is that we've invested, whether it's time, effort, money, it's gone and it's not coming back. Yeah. And so we can continue to chase after it and try and make it better, but we end up sort of like a like a bad gambling addict, don't we? Yeah. Just trying to chase losses all the time yeah. and continuing to, to spiral into some serious, like bad decision after bad decision after bad decision. As a consumer, you have a choice and you have a choice to be smarter than your brain. Yeah. I mean, one of the ways I've sort of found that I can hack myself into thinking about this stuff oh, I correctly. Like self-hacks. Yeah, yeah, other than just having really no emotional connections to things that have happened historically. <laughs> you can do sure, that I too. can maybe see you in your other professional okay, capacity Mr. Robot. To, to talk about that. Um, is I think something that everybody would relate to is this idea of starting a book and getting, I don't know, a quarter of the way in. There's so many unfinished books. And realising this book just sucks. <laughs> so I had this real problem. I mean, as far as problems, I mean, this is not like a heroin problem. It's not such a bad problem, but I had this real problem that I would okay. just persevere through books that I hated and it would be the same for movies, it would be mm. the same for Netflix series. Because I started it and the idea of a book that I hadn't finished sitting on my shelf, just I felt like a fraud or an imposter, mm. you know. But it was incomplete. It was incomplete. Yeah. So I found a couple of ways to get around this. Number one, Kindle changed my life because the unread books don't taunt me anymore because I can't see them. Oh, it's a... It's such a difference. So that's one. Uh, the other thing is I, I realized that I'm a pretty slow reader, right? I've got young kids. I've got a pretty busy life. Optimistically, let's be honest, very optimistically, I could maybe read one book a month. Okay. Right? So I can read, let's just make this easy. I can read 10 books a year. Okay. And I've probably got realistically, I don't know, can I say 50 years left? <laughs> I'll give you 50 years. Right? 50 years 50 left. years with good vision, with, enough to read. Yeah. So like... <laughs> I'm going to be able to read 500. You know what? Let's round me up, right? Let's say I'm going to have a bit more free time when I'm older. Maybe I'm going to be so able to read optimistic. 700 books. 700 books. 700 books is the total number of books I will be able to read for the rest of my life. You better choose carefully. There are like a billion books out there, yeah. right? So if I'm 20 pages into a book that sucks and I'm pretty sure this is not going to be in the top 700 books I'm ever going to read in my life, turf it, move on. So I guess my mental hack is I've realized that FOMO Mm. And like reminding myself that there's other things out there, other ways I could spend the next 10 minutes or the next hour or the next year of my life seems to overcome or outweigh the desire to want to um, make good on a, on a bad investment. Okay, so for more of Dan's self-hacks against <laughs> cognitive biases, <laughs> or if you have any hacks that you use to overcome these biases, we'd love to hear about them. Please find us on social media. My Twitter handle is at DrMelW. And uh, just just Twitter for you this week? I mean, whatever. Social media, find me. Just Google Melissa Weinberg. Yeah, Dr. Melissa Weinberg. Of course. Yeah, and I'm uh, at Dan Monheit, no doctor. Still waiting on that honorary doctor to come through. If uh, you or anybody you know is able to give them out, (laughs) uh, you know where to find me. Professor Dan. That's right. (laughs) All right, is that it? I think that's all. You know, I feel like we've come this far. Maybe we should just do a little bit more. 
You know, I feel like that people have already been listening to us for the last sort of 15 minutes. They're going to just keep listening to the rest anyway. You know, actually, honestly, really and truly, one thing we didn't talk about at all in this episode, which maybe if you've got thoughts, let us know, is how people stay in really bad financial investments, holding on to mm. stocks and things for way too long. Anyway, that's a whole separate show. We'll do something about money later. Yes? Sure. Cool. All right. Sounds good. Don't forget to tune in next time for more bad decisions. Plenty more bad decisions. Peace out, everybody. Peace out.